0: Our passage today is called The Great Commission. We're reading from Matthew chapter 28. It'll be on the screen. It'll be on the live stream. Uh, You can join with us as we read this together. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, I thank you so much for our service right now. Thanks that we can be both uh, here in person, ready to worship you and, and, and listening to your word. And thank you so much for those that are online right now. I pray a special blessing on on everyone uh, tuning in with us. And Father, for these next few moments, we're looking into your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate this. God, that you would make this clear so that we know what it is that you have for us to do next. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Coke or Pepsi? Those of you online, you can uh, comment below Coke, Pepsi. We're going to see who, who goes first. What about over here, Coke or Pepsi? Okay, we need some hands here. First of all, Coke. All right, anyone counting? Okay, next, Pepsi. It is really close. Coke, Coke just by a hair, but the whole purpose here, uh, back in January... Atlantic District, district uh, we had a conference at the Delta in Uptown St. John. We brought in John West. He's actually been a partner with our district to help us to go further in making disciples. That's his whole, uh, his whole deal. And uh, he came and he spoke to us pastors. Some of our spouses were there, different staff members. And he shared this story about how Coke was losing market share to Pepsi back in the mid-80s. So Pepsi had famous people like Michael Jackson in their commercials, and think about it, it's difficult for Coke to compete with the king of pop, you know, because, okay, don't, don't tune out just yet. Coke, uh, they actually brought in a consultant who asked them, so what is the essence of Coca-Cola? How would you summarize it with one word? And they said, that's easy. Taste. We have the taste, the secret formula. So they took that thing that they were known for and decided to change it. In an attempt to enhance it, they messed with the formula, and in April of 1985, uh, they came out with this new recipe, new Coke. Anyone remember that? It it was brutal. And uh, people went nuts, and they wanted uh, the, the old Coke back. They changed the secret formula and it didn't work. They had the recipe, they claimed they had the taste. That didn't need to be changed. The secret formula didn't need to be changed. So they went back, they got rid of their consultant and decided to bring out Coca-Cola Classic. And what they needed was to take that secret formula and find a way to market it, to brand it and communicate it with people. It needed to be communicated in a new way to a new generation. So maybe they needed some different spokes uh, people, or, or maybe a few different things needed to change with, with the, their messaging, as in the method and how um, they were going to get that out to people. But it wasn't the formula that needed to be changed. It needed to be communicated in a new way to a new generation. So we're in this series called Timeless, Discipleship for Every Season. Jesus, we know, called certain people to follow him. They became his disciples. And then, as we just read a few moments ago, he charged, or he commissioned them, these disciples, to go out and make more and more disciples. And that's why we're here. And here's the formula of making disciples. It's go, baptize, teach. So it's go, go into all the nations. It's baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's to teach them to obey. Obey what? Well, all the commands that Jesus had for them. And so since we're in this series on discipleship, and since the core purpose of the Great Commission is to make disciples, let's define quickly what discipleship and what disciple really means. Well, I love Eugene Peterson's uh, thought on discipleship. He calls it a long obedience in the same direction. That's really what it is, isn't it? a long obedience in the same direction. I think a disciple is a follower, a learner, a student, a pupil. I really like this, an apprentice to the master. Francis Chan put it this way, a disciple is a disciple maker. It's the mission of our lives, it defines us. And in our passage today we're reading in Matthew chapter 28. If you were to look at the beginning of that chapter, how does it begin? early on Sunday morning, and you might be thinking, well, that's, yeah, that's resurrection Sunday, and you would read that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to visit the tomb where Jesus, where his body was laid, because he had died on Friday, and they're there to see his body, and they're expecting a body, but instead, an angel appeared to them and explained that Jesus is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen, and as the women were leaving, Jesus himself appeared to them and said, don't be afraid, Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And when we pick up in verse 16, uh, we see that the disciples, they've headed to Galilee, and it's because the women listened to Jesus' command to go. This is important, and we're going to get to this a little later. This is the theme of the message, is to go. So let's go back to this main passage, and we'll pause a moment on each verse. It'll be on the screen. It'll be on the screen in front of you. But if you want to either turn, open your Bible, or turn on your Bible and get ready, uh, we'll be going through uh, what we consider the Great Commission. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them. Right away, eleven? Weren't there twelve disciples? So already we're realizing Judas is gone, and they hadn't yet replaced him. That's going to happen a little later as, as accounted in Acts. And they had left for Galilee. Remember, the, the women, Mary and Mary, uh, they were the first other than the angels to announce Jesus is risen from the dead. And the women told these disciples to go to Galilee as Jesus instructed, and he would meet them there. So Jesus and the women said, go, and and they went. This is really a, a big part of our message today. But what's the significance of Galilee? Well, much of the ministry, if you're reading through the Gospels, you'll notice much of it took place in this region. Also, there would have been an influx of people in Jerusalem. It was the Passover. And if the timing is correct of what we think it is compared to when this is happening... It would make sense that it's only a day after the Sabbath, so getting out of the city would have been wise into a more open and rural area. And they needed to kind of come together before Jesus was going to send them out. And this mountain, the one that they believed this, this would have taken place on, it would have overlooked the Sea of Galilee where several of the disciples fished for a living. And so think, Jesus originally called them and he said, I will make you fishers of men and women. Perhaps this is finally sinking in for them now. Moving on to verse 17. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Maybe Thomas, you think? This is, this is a, a big point as well, and we'll come back to this. But consider their context. Jesus had died on Friday. They watched, some of them from a distance, As he was tortured, he died on that cross. And there was proof when the soldier put the spear into his side and blood and water came out separately. This was indicating that he really was dead. And then after he was placed in the tomb and the tomb was sealed and it was guarded. And they weren't expecting any more out of this Jesus movement. They thought it was over when Jesus had breathed his last And I wonder if those who had worshipped in this context simultaneously doubted. Is it possible for us to hold those two things in our mind at the same time? That's the tension of our faith, isn't it? Trust when we're not certain. Remember the father. I think of him in in Mark chapter 9, the one who went to Jesus and said, please help my boy. But then remember this powerful statement. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Faith is trust even when we are not certain. And then verse 18, we hear the words of Jesus and perhaps in your Bible as mine, it's in red and it pops off the page. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So we could camp out on this verse all day. Technically, the Great Commission starts in the following verse, but this verse is really the reason that it holds weight, because Jesus claims to have been given all authority, all of it, all authority in heaven, all authority on earth. The kingdom of God, which John the Baptist and Jesus were announcing, that's what we read in the Gospels, it's fully now under the authority of Jesus. His earthly mission was completed. He rose victoriously. He has the authority to empower and release these disciples to go and make more and more disciples. The disciples, they were called by Jesus and they were following him. They were eyewitnesses to how many miracles, how many of his teachings. And at one point, I think of the moment where Jesus asked Peter, but who do you say I am? And Peter responded, you are the Messiah, Son of the living God. And now Jesus has confirmed this in many ways. His victory over death, his resurrection, was more than enough for his disciples to accept that statement, which he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus truly is the Messiah, the one the law and the prophets talked about. And then he's standing right before him. That's the context of this. And then verse 19, this is our memory verse. If we were in CP Kids today, this would be maybe a verse that we would be learning together to to get to bring to our our parents and to get to share with our friends afterward. So some people sum this up. Sometimes this is written on the wall. You know, this, this is the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, I just want to give you a quick pro tip. If you ever dive into uh, a Bible passage and it says therefore, ask, what is it therefore? If you start on a verse that begins with that, you're going to have to go back. I would encourage you. You might go back. In this case, it might just be a verse or so. Sometimes it's a chapter. Uh, but find out if it says therefore, what is it therefore? Therefore, since, because, since what? Well, because Jesus has all authority, he's now saying this. This is him commissioning them. It's not just a command to his disciples, but it is to send them out into all the earth, which is now under the authority of Jesus. Do we believe this or do we doubt? Remember verse 16, but some doubted. Jesus has all authority and so the disciples need to listen. They need to also obey the command and whatever follows. So think of this go in their context. They got the what, they knew what to do, they got the where to the ends of the earth. I mean, that, that's pretty, pretty broad, but also easy to understand. But notice, Jesus didn't explain the how. He was leaving that up to them. He was focused on the what. And the why was really the context of the previous verse, because Jesus has all authority. It's all about his kingdom. He is the Messiah, and he's going to rule forever. But think about the all-nations, They're a part of a kingdom, whether by their choice or not, but these disciples were going to offer them a better kingdom under a much better authority, that of Jesus. And then think about baptism for a moment. Remember John's baptism, John the Baptist, that is. He was preparing the way for the Messiah. He would get people to repent, meaning turn from their sins. And then the water, when they went under, this would represent a cleansing of that sin, And this would be a public act, really a public declaration of of their following. And so the baptism of Jesus, this is an interesting kind of thing where Jesus went to John to be baptized. And there was this argument because John didn't want to baptize the Messiah, but it was all part of the plan. But here's the significance of Jesus' baptism. The Father and the Spirit were both involved with the Son. This was confirmation of, of who he is. And this is before his ministry began. We baptize in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit because of this. And because God, this is him, three in one. Baptism for us represents uh, really that old life being buried. If you think about someone going under the water, it's representing the old life is now gone. The new life begins as they come up out of the water. It's also considering that symbolic cleansing of being cleansed from the sins. But it's representing Jesus' death burial, and then resurrection. And it's the old life is gone, the new life has begun, as we read in 1 Corinthians 5.17. This is the, the beginning of a disciple's journey. And as Wesleyans, we believe, it's that outward expression of an inward transformation. Now we're at verse 20. This is the final of our passage of this chapter and of the book of Matthew. And this is what Jesus says. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in this one, think about it, if we're doing this as a Bible study together, if you were to take this verse, whether you're jotting it down on paper, whether it's your tablet or you're typing it, maybe it's on your phone, maybe you're making a note in the margin of your Bible, I want to just think of how simple this could be to understand. So as we take that, that previous verse, that verse 20, think of it, it starts with, teach, okay, teach, teach. Who or what? Well, teach these new disciples. It's implying that you're making disciples. Right? You're not finished, though, because then you have to teach them. Teach them what? Well, to obey. Okay, obey what? All the commands. Well, what command? Like, literally all the commands? Well, the important thing here is whose commands, really. And Jesus says, I have given you. The ones that I have given you. So we're really thinking about Jesus here. And be sure of this. Well, be sure of what? This is amazing. He says, I am with you always. He's not sending them out alone. He's going to be with them and even to the end of the age. So our context here is, so we're going to teach these new disciples. We make them. We have to teach them. Help these new disciples to trust Jesus. One of the best ways to do that is to share with them how Jesus has helped you. Share how you already trust Jesus and how he's made that possible. We're not making our disciples. That's not the goal. We're not trying to make a disciple of ourselves. The goal is for them to apprentice the master, Jesus. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. What commands come to mind when you think about that? Is is it something like love God with your whole self and love Uh, your neighbor, love one another as I have loved you, because that would sum it all up right there. And I love the end. The very last thing Jesus says is, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even in 2020, to the end of the age. At one point, Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for him to go so he can send the Holy Spirit. That might be shocking if you've read through the gospel even a couple times and and you read all the amazing things that Jesus has said and done, all the miracles. How can that be true? Wouldn't it be better for him to physically be right next to us and and performing these miracles? But Jesus says, no, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He will be with you. And so how much easier is it for us to go knowing that it's not only his plan, but he is with us every step of the way. So let's recap. Our secret formula to make disciples is to go, to baptize, and to teach them to obey. Get that? Go, baptize, teach. It sounds really simple. Make disciples is the goal. So it begins when the disciples, a current disciple, decides to go, right? That's how it begins. But then it begins for the new disciple when they're baptized, And then it continues between disciples when we teach them to obey all that Jesus has taught us. And how do we know that this formula is going to work? Well, as we've declared, Jesus rose from the dead when he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. We can believe it because he has the power. He has the authority. Although he's sending us out, remember, he promises, I am with you always. So we know that we're not alone. So go is really our focus for today. And here's why. You cannot make disciples, baptize, or teach them before you go. Go is the first step. Go is the first step to make disciples. So go into all the nations. Well, just a quick disclaimer. The go we're we're talking about is not an aggressive word. In history, sometimes that has been used uh, in a very negative way. The go we're talking about is go and build a relationship. What does go look like? Well, I thought about that for myself uh, this week as I was getting ready for this message I reflected on 20 years ago. Actually, it was just more than that that the decision was made. Uh, My youth pastor, I was at Corbett Avenue and my youth pastor had gone to Jamaica before. And he was preparing and, and trying to find out how many uh, people from our church youth group and, and beyond could go and, and, and do a, a short-term mission there. And so I, I was one of the first people to say, put my name down, I'm, I'm going. He said, well, you're gonna have to fundraise and you're gonna have to do this and that and the other thing. And it Doesn't matter, I'm, I'm gonna go, let's do this. And so it probably took eight to nine months of preparation and fundraising to finally go on the March break just 20 years ago this March. And I remember being there And I remember being in this remote area at an orphanage. And so I had been a new Christian. You know, I'd only been a Christian for maybe 10 months at this point. But I knew that I needed to help other people become followers of Jesus. And I'm sitting at an orphanage next to a boy who was 10, maybe 11. His name is Carlton. And I remember my heart was pounding. And I know that his heart was pounding, and I felt like I had to share Jesus with him. I needed to help him become a follower of Jesus in that moment. And so I was able to help him, and, and since then I've had to trust that the local church, those that were at the orphanage, other friends, I had to trust that other people were going to be a part of the discipleship process beyond that for, for him. And I think of 20 years ago, this very week, I went to New York City for the first time with Dan Lamus of King's Church and with Mike McNeil from Kingswood. And a group of us went, and, and the goal was to share Jesus with people. We were serving in, in community kitchens. Uh, we were you know, sharing, whether it was in the subway or Spanish Harlem, it didn't, it didn't matter where we were. Uh, but the boldness that comes from being willing to jump out And do that, trusting that God is with you as you're doing that. Leading someone to Christ. I believe the course that we are in, if we led someone to Christ, we get an A. And so, I mean, let's do that, right? And today I'm thinking of of pastoring. So there was an original go that I accepted. And by accepting that, that's really why I'm here in this moment. And and part of it is to to teach. Part of it is to to baptize. And, And I think of the moments over the years where I've been a part of that, where this church has been a part of seeing uh, numerous people of all different ages be, being baptized. And in this exact moment, I get the privilege to be part of that, that teaching. And, and the willingness to, to keep going, that's, that's kind of the concept here, even if that means here in our local community, whether it's in person or, or for online. But I, I think about uh, Pastor John Simons. What a great example of someone who's willing to keep going right? I think of Pastor Dave Rowe, someone who has gone to the check a number of times with teams from here. The purpose of building relationships with people that might not know Jesus, to be willing that maybe the next year they get a little bit further in their conversation. I think that's amazing, the, the, the relationship building that happens on some of these return trips. think just last week of missionary Robin White and his uh, and his wife, Yoko, who were here to share with us. Robin's from here. Yoko is, of course, from from Japan. But Robin, I, I went to Bible school with him. And, and here he is, again, willing to go. And he's already gone. But they're re- ready to go back. And we're here to support them. I think of the Atlantic District of the Wesleyan Church. The missionaries over the years... I know for for quite a while, uh, roughly 10% of of the Wesleyan Church's missionaries were from the Atlantic provinces. Isn't that cool? God has called and continues to call people from our area, from the Atlantic provinces, even from Fredericton, even from Marysville. Isn't this awesome that that God could could call us? Are we willing to go? Disciples are disciple makers. Disciples are meant to go. But what does go look like for you? Does it mean maybe walking across the room or across the street? Does it mean being online and messaging with, with a friend or a coworker? Um, I think your investment in gear up, both those of you in the room and those of you online, really indicates that you understand this investment to go uh, for this gear up, to be able to go into living rooms and, and other places beyond as far as the internet will allow us to go. But this whole context, I know that John West, as I mentioned, who's partnered with our district, He was mentioning to the students at Kingswood, you know, to make disciples, we need to build relationships with someone. But they pushed back on that, and someone raised their hand. They're like, but how do we do that? How do you make a relationship? How do you build a relationship with someone? So he went through and kind of asked them, and they they came up with a short list of, well, you got to get to know them. You've got to love people. That should actually be maybe the first part. You have to spend time with them. You have to talk with them and find common ground. You have to be intentional. You have to make time. So making disciples is really about building a relationship because it's a continued process. Sometimes go is going to be a solo effort. There's times that we see in scripture. There's times in our own history where we've seen people go and they're willing to go it alone to do that, knowing, of course, that God is with them. Many times, quite often, it's with a group. You've seen Jesus send out two by two, the disciples. There's a support there, and sometimes it's even larger than that. But I want us to think of this as a local church, whether in person or online. How can we go together? What is that going to look like for us? Think of what would be possible for our local church if we were willing to work together, both in person and online, to go across the street or across the globe. What would be possible? Anything. The concept is simple. I know that the implementation is the difficult part. The worship team is going to lead us in a final song in just a few moments. But before we uh, go into that moment together, I want to go back to one verse in particular, but not in the same translation we just read. I'd like to go to verse 17 of the message. Eugene Peterson has paraphrased this. This really stood out to me this week. It says... The moment they saw him, they worshipped him. Some though, held back. Not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Think about that. Some held back. Here is the risen Jesus in front of them. Some of them worshipping and maybe simultaneously doubting. In, in the wording of Eugene Peterson, it says, some held back. And the key part that I want to hone in on is about risking themselves totally. So I had to think to myself, am I willing to risk myself totally? I want to know, are we willing to risk ourselves totally? Are you willing to risk yourself totally? Don't forget the final words of this passage, the words of Jesus himself. that says, be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So my question is, are you ready to go? If you're online, I'd love for you to type, let's go. If you want to do this, it's not just a solo effort, but it's something that you can do uh, with other people. I would love for you to do that. Are you guys ready to go? Are we ready? Are we going to do this? I I think sometimes we can lose, really lose sight of what's most important. There are other things that are important, too. There are other issues that are important. But when we notice how much time we spend arguing about these secondary concerns, we need to stop. We need to realize if we've lost the urgency to do what's most important, to make disciples. Jesus, we believe, is the author of life, and he chose to write us into this story. He chose for us to be a part of this mission to make disciples. I truly believe we can find our fulfillment in helping the church's mission go forward. We can help people find freedom and fulfillment in Christ. The meaning of life, if you've ever wondered, it's found in the scriptures. It's to know God. It's to know Christ and experience the fullness of his love for us. And so making disciples is crucial because then more and more people can also experience freedom from him, fulfillment from him. They can get to know God personally they can know Christ sharing in his love and his mission for humanity. And then it continues. You have to be willing to go. Are we willing? Father, I thank you so much for this moment together. I thank you as we're just getting ready to continue in worship. I think of those disciples that were ready to worship you, though some doubted. Can we hold those two things at the same time? Well, God, I pray that you would help us to overcome our unbelief in this moment. Father, I thank you so much for the team that's led us already so well. We want to worship you, but we also want to be challenged to go further. And so, Father, that's, that's our prayer, that, God, you would help us to be willing and ready to go. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. seated just for a moment, just in our last few moments together. It's really easy to say, let's go and let's get excited and let's do this. It's much more difficult to to implement. But more importantly, there's someone potentially here in this room or, or watching and tuning in right now online who hasn't accepted that first call to come to Jesus. How can we go and make disciples if someone isn't yet a disciple. And so we want to give you the opportunity right now. And I think of that moment where I was sitting next to my friend Carlton who I had met 20 years ago on March break in an orphanage in in Jamaica and my heart was pounding. I had been a follower of Jesus for you know maybe nine or 10 months at that point. And although it's simple, sometimes it's hard to know what words to use. You could say so much or so little. Here's the easy part. You place your trust in Jesus. You confess your sins, not not to me, not to a pastor or a priest, but to Jesus, who's already done everything possible to be able to forgive you. You confess to Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive you of anything and everything. And in that moment, you turn from your old life and you turn towards Him. And in this moment, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Someone could, could literally do this today and we can celebrate together uh, one new disciple, one new follower, one new apprentice of the master of Jesus. And so we wanna give you this opportunity. If you're online, even in this moment, you can just say yes, cap, caps lock, yes. And, and you can receive Jesus. We'll be uh, ready to celebrate with you, to pray with you, uh, to cheer you on. And in this room right here, it's nothing fancy. I do want to pray for you. And I want to give you a moment. I want us to, to pray, bowing our heads for a moment. Our eyes will be closed. But, but for my benefit, so I know who specifically to pray with and pray for, I would love, as we bow our heads, you can do that at this time. Um, I'm, I'm going to invite the person that, that may be ready to, for the very first time, confess Jesus as Lord. They're confessing their sins, knowing that he's going to forgive them you're turning to Jesus for the first time. Let, let's do this, and I'm going to pray for you. So all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, and in this very moment, in this in this time, just put your hand up in the air if you're ready to receive Jesus. Amen. Amen. And online, again, uh, just say yes, and we want to be able to connect with you immediately and celebrate uh, with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We're challenged to go, but in this moment, this is... This is it. We're we're listening to your call uh, for someone ready to trust in in you for the very first time, perhaps. Father, we thank you that you've done everything, as Pastor John's morality ladder illustration shows that that Jesus, you. You are the answer. You're what's going to fill the gap on the ladder between us and a holy God. And we thank you that you've made everything possible for that. So God, we place our trust in you at this time. Thank you so much for those that are responding in this moment. We celebrate with them that uh, the old life is gone and new life has begun. This is very the very first part of their journey. So God, we pray for encouragement for those that are making this step in this moment. Thank you so much. For the rest of us, thanks that we get to be a part as a church today in helping to grow your kingdom, helping to make one more disciple and being willing to go. Thank you so much for these changed lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.